The scripture lesson today comes from the book of Genesis, the 22nd chapter, uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac and going up onto the mount. I want to uh, look at this passage in light of Vanessa's wonderful sermon last week, in which she talked about the experience of Abraham and uh, Sarah, um, Hagar, who was the enslaved uh, woman who was a handmaiden, uh, to Sarah, who had been born uh, after having Abraham impregnating a slave, giving forth the son Ishmael. And Vanessa really challenged us to look at the experience of Hagar and Ishmael, and in particular when they were expelled uh, from their home uh, because of the birth of Isaac to Abraham's wife, Sarah, and how God had uh, heard their cry, had come to them, provided shade in the desert and uh, water so that uh, Hagar might live and that Ishmael, her son, would live. And of course, in the traditions of uh, Islam and the Quran, he would become the father of uh, millions of people. Hagar is the mother of Islam, for they draw their life from her and Ishmael. So Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all look to Abraham as our father. He's the father of Ishmael, who he disowns. And then the father of Isaac who becomes the father of Jacob, whose name becomes Israel. And so the promise spoken to Abraham is expressing itself the fulfillment of generation upon generation, both through the line of Ishmael and through the line of Isaac. Now, in the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, we find one of the most uh, famous passages in Scripture. Famous, but also infamous passages, very commonly referred to as the binding of Isaac, or other times referred to as the commandment to sacrifice Isaac. This is a passage which can be for our ears deeply troubling, troubling and cause our heart to tremble when we consider what is underway. So chapter 22 of the book of Genesis. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So if you wanted terror, this is the passage for you. How our hearts withdraw from the story. The idea that God would ask uh, for Abraham to sacrifice his son. In order to understand the story, it's necessary for us to realize that in the ancient Near East, in the time of Abraham, the religions around them, the, the Canaanite religions, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the 
Perizzites, the Amorites, they all practiced child sacrifice. It was not uncommon. It was commonplace, in fact. The sacrifice of children, and very or often the sacrifice of a firstborn child. So the fact that God would want a sacrifice of a son would not have sounded aberrant or novel to Abraham. But we have to read the whole story to understand what's truly intended here. So God said, offer Isaac there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Let me pause there again. We will go over there and we will worship. In the ancient world, worship almost always entailed sacrifice. An animal would be killed, grain would be burnt. Some kind of sacrifice would be offered to the God. So when he says we go over there to worship God, implicit in that is the idea of a sacrifice. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. They had brought an ember with them from their encampment. So the two of them walked on together, and Isaac said to his, said to his father, Abraham, Father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God own self will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. Can you imagine the emotion uh, between Abraham and Isaac at this point? What's, what's going through their minds? Try to put yourself back in that place, this dry, arid setting, very rough. Nothing uh, to be seen in the distance except uh, dry ground and a few pieces of vegetation and a big rock to which they will go, wondering what will happen. When they came to the place that God had shown them, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top 
of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. What was happening? Did Isaac passively allow Abraham to bind him? Were they wrestling? Were they fighting? Screaming, crying? What was happening? Abraham took out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, now the third time, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt sacrifice instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Amen. Here I am. First, as God calls out to him. Secondly, as his son Isaac calls out to him as they walk up the hill. Lastly, to the angel of the Lord, here I am. Abraham's ready, open, passionate response uh, to God. Trusting in God. Putting all of his faith in the promises of God. He's old, very old. Too old to have children, let alone two. And the first one, his loss to him, cast out into the desert to lead his own life with his mother in a land far away. And now the one that remains with him, who seems to be the one who is promised to be the father of nations, God asks to be sacrificed. And yet Abraham goes. Again, in the context in which he lived, this was not unusual or somehow vicious in human behavior. To Ari, as it is, it's disgusting. It's abhorrent. We are repulsed by it. We, we, we're nothing but revulsion for it. From a sociological perspective, the development of human consciousness, this story in a sense is about the end of human sacrifice. From this point on, it's never suggested within Israel that children will be sacrificed. The other ancient Near Eastern religions continue to sacrifice. This is a huge leap in the moral development of humanity. This is a God who says, no, I don't want your children to be sacrificed. Take care of your children. Honor your father and your mother is built on the idea of honoring the entire family, parents caring for children and children caring for parents. This is a huge and positive step. It's not an abhorrent 
moment, but a great moment of glorious revolution um, in the advancement of human consciousness. But it's also this deep and primary affirmation that God will provide. When we were going through the open and affirming process, it looked like it might become a, a place of great division uh, within the church. Would, be this, would this be something that would cause division? Um, would it cause irreparable harm to the church? Many people thought it would. Um, and yet we moved ahead because we felt that it was God that was calling us to this moment. Were we like Isaac and Abraham mounting the hill to some kind of perdition? Or would we be mounting the hill to a place of revelation and of revolution, a positive revolution, the recalibration, the reorientation of our lives and the life of God's church, Christ church here in Fairfield? One person, as we were uh, in the midst of these conversations, said to me, well, this, uh, this is important, but I'm not sure that this is the hill upon which I would choose to die. Well. I felt it was a good place to go and to see what God would do with us. And God did lead us to the conclusion as a congregation, not a unilateral decision, but a four-year process engaging everybody in the congregation. So God provided for us the wisdom, the trust, the insight to become explicitly open and affirming. Just when we think that there is no way God will open a way. As we confront the uh, great issues of our day, the continuing and terrible oppression and murder of people because of who they love, it be particularly because of people and their, who, who, their gender identity the incredible uh, rate of uh, acts of violence against um, transgender men and women is, it's heartbreaking. So that is still before us. But also the issues of the Black Lives Matter and to be anti-racist. It's not a race that will be won. There's not a finish line that will be crossed. We'll declare everything is resolved. Uh, Becoming anti-racist is a process. It's not a goal. It's a process of becoming truly human, truly humane, truly loving and accepting to see each other and even ourselves in the ways, in the way that God sees us. To see human beings as human beings the beloved children of God. Just as God and Abraham, Isaac and the ram, what about the poor ram? That's how anthropocentric we are. The ram, ah, that's okay, we can kill the ram. That's another sermon on animal rights. And what about the owner of the ram? His property has been expropriated. That's a sermon for another day. But for this day, this primordial story 
can cease to become an infamous, abhorrent text of terror and can become a window into the, the faithfulness of God. That if we trust God to lead us and constantly ask, ask ourselves, is this the way that God is leading us? Truly, God will provide. Amen.